Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Baseball for Breakfast, your weekly serving of dingers and zingers. My name is Matt Nadell. As always, I'm joined by my two good buddies, Brendan Mallon and Logan Strobing. This is a podcast where we talk about anything and everything America's pastime. And we are continuing our Hall of Fame conversation from last episode, this time talking about the guys who we think should not be in the Hall of Fame. But before we get to that, a couple of big things happened in baseball news this past week. Uh, namely the Francisco Lindor trade that I will just let Brendan take over for. Uh, but we're also going to talk about Kyle Schwarber signing, Red Sox hiring Bianca Smith, first uh, female coach uh, in, a, I believe, just in baseball in general, but definitely in the minor league systems, and then Garrett Cole's a sticky situation. But to lead us off, Brendan. Yeah, so it's not every day that a generational superstar talent gets traded in baseball. Um, it's becoming more of a trend now with um, teams trying to get rid of their players before free agency if they're not want if they're not trying to sign them long term. So very reminiscent to the Mookie Betts trade a year ago, where the Dodgers acquired Mookie Betts and and David Price for Alex Verdugo, Jeter Downs, among some other prospects. Not a, a huge haul for you know Mookie Betts. He was probably the best player in baseball outside of Mike Trout, and obviously. The Dodgers re-signed Garrett, uh, not Garrett Cole, they re-signed Mookie Best to a 13-year extension and won a World Series. So the New York Mets, going off that thought, are trying to go for it all in 2021, as well as the future if they do sign Lindor to a long-term deal. But this news broke Thursday afternoon. Um, Sandy Olerson said that talks started to pick up on Monday. You know, they were talking to the Indians about Lindor for most of the offseason, but traction started picking up on Monday as other teams began to become more serious about the trade talks. Always inevitable that the Indians were going to trade Francisco Lindor. They were not going to re-sign him long-term to a, you know, a 10-year $300 million extension that he's probably going to want. Um, so the Indians had to get rid of him before opening day, before his trade value went down even more. And there's only a few con- you know suitors that were possibilities to trade for him you know the Blue Jays were one the Blue Jays were the runner-up for Lindor and the Mets obviously um the Yankees were mentioned as a possibility if they you know as a replacement for LeMahieu so the Mets they they had the winning bid they traded Ahmed Rosario, Andres Jimenez, Josh Wolf, and Isaiah Green and for a two for a two for four trade trading those four players for Francisco Lindor as well as very underrated pitcher Carlos Carrasco so a franchise-changing trade for the Mets. The Mets make a trade that they never would have made under under the Wilpont ownership. So Steve Cohen showing a commitment to you know spending on players. You know he still has he still has to go out and sign Lindor to an extension, which is you know widely expected among the game. Uh, they're not gonna you know spend like drunken sailors, but Lindor is the type of player that you will go above and beyond to make the face of the franchise. Um, you know, just so much excitement around acquiring this player. He's 27 years old. He plays a premium position, a shortstop, arguably the top shortstop in the game. You know, a switch hitter with 30 plus home run power, premium defense, you know, plus on the base paths, an electric personality that's going gonna, gonna to light up New York. And, we're, you know, automatically it becomes the face of the franchise. You know, Jacob DeGrom, Pete Alonso, they're great, but Francisco Lindor, you know, just generating so much excitement. Um, just 
driving business as well too with like the marketing with Lindor in New York all these like Lindor jerseys and t-shirts you know flying off the racks so Lindor driving a lot of excitement for this year and it'll be really exciting for Met fans to see if um to see him play this year at some capacity you know at, at City Field and hopefully the Mets can get a long-term deal done um like the Mookie bet the Mookie bets extension is probably the most likely I guess precedent for you know, a superstar in their middle, in their mid twenties. Um, so, or Manny Machado. So like 10 years, 300 million. That's what Machado got. Mookie Betts got like 365 million over like 13 or 12, 12 or 13 years. So I think Lindor, he's better than Machado, but I don't think he's as good as Mookie Betts. So I think we're looking at a, a deal for Lindor, like maybe in the 10 year, $320 million range, but we'll, we will see. Um, Obviously, the Mets are a huge winner in this trade. The Indians, I mean, hey, they, they got no Lindor's, Lindor-type talent back in the trade, but they were going to, you know, they risked losing him for nothing if they didn't trade him. So getting back Andre Jimenez, who could be an everyday shortstop, Amir Rosario has some untapped potential. And, you know, Josh Wolf and Isaiah Green are, you know, they're, I wouldn't say they're lottery tickets, but they are promising prospects that are a little bit ways away. But, yeah, I mean, it's crazy, you know, when a top ten player gets traded in baseball. So, what do you guys think of this monumental trade, Logan? Can I be the devil's advocate and you could say pros? I'm gonna pro the Mets. Yeah. Okay. No, just pro the whole trade. Okay. Yeah. I'll be devil's yeah. advocate. Do it. Let's go. No, no, no. You go first. No, we got to say the pros and then we'll say the cons. All right. This, this is what I'm gonna say. For the Mets, this is an absolute no-brainer. I think this is the first sign. Like, I don't care that they signed an up-and-coming backstop for $60 million over four years. Like, that doesn't impress me. This is the first sign that Steve Cohen means business. This is the first sign that they mean to win. And this is the first time since they traded for Johan Santana, and that was even not even really similar, that the Mets in the past 20 years have actually made a move not to appease fans, but to actually make a better team. Like this you could is a, argue that Cespedes was a pretty solid acquisition mid season though. And for a playoff run, I, it's not really but like he thing. literally almost won MVP. <laughs> I agree. But this is, this isn't like a, we're going to make a push. Cause you know, we're actually good. This is, I'm going to get a guy for the next 10 years that I expect to keep us at a certain level of competency that the Mets have not had. This is huge. So if you're a Met fan, like this is, this is as good as it gets. And, Let's call a spade a spade. They gave them peanuts for what this was. Like they gave up Ahmed Rosario, who is an everyday starter. He is a fine MLB player. He's got a nice batting average. He has a decent hit tool like that plays and um, blanking on. Oh, Andres Jimenez. He is a top prospect in the Mets system. Then he graduated and he played pretty well last year, aside from one awful game. So he is good. They did get good MLB talent back, but boy, oh boy, is this not like a haul. Like this is not a good haul for the Indians. All they really succeeded in doing here is they got out of a future contract in the door and took back two infield prospects or two infield MLB players that might be good. So this is definitely tough to swallow if you're the Indians. And I have absolutely no idea how the Mets ended up with Carrasco in this deal. Because I genuinely think Carrasco was worth at least two of these prospects. 
So the fact that you got Carrasco in here plus Lindor is an absolute steal. So for the Mets, I don't like there's literally whatever Matt is about to say, you're picking hairs because they're splitting hairs, whatever the, I don't know, tweezers, but whatever the expression is, this is an absolute win for the Mets. And it's very frustrating for the rest of the league to see them get an, you know, top 10 player for so little, because I don't know why other teams didn't try this because this was, this was great. Here's my take. Yeah, here's I'm my interested. here's my hot of all hot takes. Uh, here we go. You can make a very strong argument that Carlos Carrasco is the better acquisition for the Mets in this deal. I'll tell you why. So Lindor is no doubt one of the best shortstops in baseball. I'm not going to say that he is the best because I think last year Corey Seager had a pretty sexy year. Um, and frankly, Lindor had a down year for his standards. He batted 258, which was the lowest of his career. Uh, and his rookie season was 99 games. So it was like kind of a full season. So that was the lowest batting average, 258 for his whole career. And OPS plus was also the lowest. It was at 102. Overall stats, if you were to multiply it to like 162 games, or even if you want to average it out, I think he's played like 145 games a season on average. Um, You could say that his, like his raw numbers were pretty much there, but there are some pretty big average dips that happened to Lindor this past season. And again, 60 games is 60 games and only that, but I don't really love playing the what if game. Um, So not to say that this was like, Oh my God, a terrible year. I mean, a, a terrible year for Lindor. And this was such a bad trade for the Mets, but if the slide continues, then the Mets might not be so inclined to re-sign him because he's only on a one-year deal right now. He's got one year left of control, and then if he doesn't re-sign, he's a free agent. That being said, the Mets led the league in batting average last year. Okay, hitting was not really their problem, and Ahmed Rosario was actually one of their leaders in batting average. So the fact that they're trading... Ahmed Rosario was not one of the... Not not last year. Definitely not last year. Two years ago, 2019, he he led the Mets in hits, but... Okay, all right. Yes. So, either way, either way. I agree with you, though, that the offense is not a problem. Yeah. So, offense is not really that much of a problem for the Mets. They could hit. They really can. Alonzo, McNeil, Conforto. I mean, the lineup top to bottom is pretty solid. And Cano and Cespedes, if they decide to, like, come back ever. The Mets had a terrible pitching staff last year. Besides, like, DeGrom, the pitching staff was not where it should be. And that's why they finished so low in the National League East. And Carlos Carrasco, besides the year that he was... Their bullpen. Their bullpen, too, was not that great. But the fact that Carrasco has been an absolutely solid pitcher the past, like, five, six years, including last year when he had a 2.91 ERA... And the only year that he was pretty terrible was when he was recovering from cancer. <laughs> you could say that Carrasco being added to the Mets rotation, especially after losing Michael Waka, and did they lose Rick Porcello? Yeah. Uh, it's a free agent, but like I don't yeah. know if like maybe addition by subtraction. I don't know if we were upset about losing Michael Waka and Rick Porcello. No, I know, I but agree. you need arms. So the bottom line is the Mets need arms. Oh no, I I was gonna say I agree with you that Carlos Carrasco was a very underlooked part of this deal. I mean, he's been incredibly underlooked because of you know Kluber, Bauer, Clevenger, 
Um, he's been an Indian for you know he, he was a long time Indian, and it was you know his nick- nicknamed Cookie. You know, a very very sneaky good pitcher who has three seasons of two hundred plus strikeouts, uh, career ERA of three point seven seven. So yeah, a very I would say upper mid rotation starter. He's not an ace, I would say, but he's a very quality number two. And the Mets are looking for a rotation piece to fit between Stroman and DeGrom, you know, in waiting for Syndergaard to come back. So Carrasco fills a hole for this year. He's also under control for two more years afterwards at a very reasonable 12 million AAV. So he's controllable. He is going to be 34 next year. So that, you know, Hopefully he can stay durable. So age is a little bit is a little bit of a concern for Carrasco, but he's proven he can be he can be durable. And yeah, I think it's a very underlooked part of the deal. But to respond to your thing that Lindor, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not done. I'm not done with my devil devil's advocacy. Oh, I, can I respond though about how Lindor is not valuable? Well, I didn't say that he was not valuable. I just said that it's it, you could make a reasonable assumption that he might dip even further. Okay, so my response is that I agree the batting average did slip and that could, you know, that could be his new he may not be a 300 hitter anymore, but he does his power was still there for a shortstop and defensively he still was amazing last year and that's if you fair. look at the Met, that's incredibly fair. If you look at the Mets shortstop position the situation for the last 4 years, they're like dead last in terms of like defense at shortstop and Adding Lindor just on defense alone is an incredible is an incredible improvement for the Mets with his power, with his speed, with his defense. And if he, you know, if he becomes even, you know, half of what he was with the Indians offensively in his MVP type seasons, that's a you know a boom for the Mets. I I agree with that. The I think it's a high risk, high reward sort of situation for the Mets. And I do think that the best thing going for Lindor is, at least on the batting side, is that he's a switch hitter. Just on a on a pure, versatile basis. Not even if he's going on the left or the right side. The fact that he could hit from both of them, at least over 100, is, is a plus. So, no, but this is the one thing, though, that I will say. In a trade like this, and it's not exactly like this trade, but it does remind me of the Stanton trade for this reason. There's only two ways in which this deal doesn't work out. One way, even even really one way, because one thing that could happen is that surprisingly, one of the pieces that the Mets give up might be incredible and you might regret it. Yeah, Without Jimenez, it, probably. Yeah, all of them. Like, in the Stanton trade, we gave up Caleb Smith, who ended up being amazing. And then Starlin Marte was a four-time All-Star. So it wasn't as if we gave up nothing. Wait, do you mean Starlin Castro? <laughs> oh, did I say Starlin Marte? Yeah. Starlin Castro, sorry. Honestly, Castro is way better anyways, but <laughs> literally more all-star games. That's all hey, I'm whoa. saying. More all-star, all-star games, games are Jack, but okay. Oh, word. He's got more than uh, Tory Hunter, but all right, whatever. But um, okay. If the Mets, if the Mets give up a piece in this deal that ends up being spectacular, spectacular and Lindor doesn't, yeah. And Lindor doesn't wow. That would be one way this deal bites them. The only real way that this really doesn't work out for the Mets, though, is that Lindor A gets hurt, or B, they cannot sign someone because of this contract. Because this contract is or they be don't awful. sign Lindor, 
where they don't, well, that would be awful. I, I assume like Brendan said that they're going to sign the door in 1000% that they don't, you don't make this type of deal without getting the guy, but you're going to pay a lot. Like this is going to be the type of contract like Stanton's where it's like, okay, we are now out of the running for several other players, no matter how rich your owner is at a no, certain very point, true. at a certain point, there's diminishing returns. So in year seven, if they don't have a ring and he's under contract for three more years at the age of 35, it's going to start getting interesting because well, that DeGrom, math makes zero sense, but okay. <laughs> no. So 34. I'm all, no, I'm literally right. Seventh year, you'd be 35. Sure. I'm like literally setting the contract at 28. That's seven years. The math was actually very good. Very quickly. <laughs> honestly, maybe I shouldn't be an accountant. Money. Yeah, I agree. But at age 34, 33, even five years into the deal, if they haven't won anything, this contract is going to be hard to shake. Actually, they won't shake it. He will be a Met for his entire career. So we'll see if it yields a winning you know, situation. It should. The Mets should expect a lot of wins in the future. I hope for their sake that it results. But again, I think, yeah, that, I think that the offense won't improve um, as much as the pitching will with Carrasco. But also, I just want to I just want to mention the prospects that the Indians could have gotten, and instead they got stuck with. I mean, that's stuck with, but oh, stuck with, awful. <laughs> awful. I mean, Josh like Pope Jimenez Jimenez is the most MLB ready out of the Mets prospects, but I mean, Brett Batty and Ronnie Mauricio were also like right there for the taking. Okay, yeah, this was uh, no. Let me say this. So like. A year ago, in a non-COVID landscape, you could, you know, it it'd be hard pressed to make this trade without including one of the Mets, two or one or two of the Mets' top prospects, and a Mauricio or a Pete Armstrong or a Brett Batty. But the Indians had no leverage here. They cut Brad Hand, who was going to make ten million dollars to be an elite closer. They cut him, and they they threw Carrasco in this trade just to save as much money as possible. So. And like I think the Indians' payroll right now is at a thirty-five million dollar, which is a problem. That's like Giancarlo's yearly payroll. That's Lindor's yeah. yearly payroll. <laughs> so I don't think the Indians were really, you know, getting much back in terms of prospects. Also, the Indians got two MLB-ready players, like you said, Matt, like Jimenez and Rosario. They totally did. And that's kind of what the Indians look for in these trades. You know, very similar to like the Clevenger trade. They got back. Um, Hedges, they got back Josh Naylor for the outfield. So they, because they still want to contend, they still have the pitching staff to be good. So they're not, they're not going into this long rebuild without Lindor and without their pitchers. They still have like MLB quality talent. So they, they do try it in these trades. They don't go for like the, you know, the long shot, the long five, you know, five years away prospect. They go for MLB ready talent now and they make it work. Yeah, well, it's well, not, they it's make not it work. The they make it work because they can't build a farm system for their lives. No, no, not even that. And this will be the parting thought. They make it work. They have made it work because they've had other guys. So when they traded their four top 20 pitchers in the past five years, they still had the three other pitchers, the two other pitchers. They still endure. Okay. They will eventually trade everyone because this is how this happens. They just traded their second best player, realistically. But, like, you know, um, Ramirez has been better. But, like, where are they going to be winning games now? Like, tell me where in their lineup that screams, this is a winning team. I meant Rosario, obviously. Like, literally, no, honestly, at a certain point, 
you need that you need that stud lottery ticket in the farm system because what's going to happen with this major league roster now? Like this well, team is have, not built to win. They have made so you can like since they did say this. I don't think they're going to have a thirty-five million dollar payroll on opening day, so they could like do a couple one-year deals and kind of like fill in the gaps, like. Maybe bring oh. back Carlos Santana. Oh no, he's he's on the Royals he's now. Side. Bro, a lot of gaps to fill. If well, there's so many free agents, they can't I mean, do. Yeah, Brantley's still goals. available, and I think that I, he's he makes a lot, a lot of sense, a lot more sense than any other one year deal would. All I'm saying is, I don't know what the infatuation with getting MLB talent back if you're not ready to win now. I mean, they are ready to win. You know, um, Shane Bieber, the Cy Young Award winner, Jose Ramirez, like an MVP runner up. They, they still they have, have a very solid nucleus. Yeah, but in, nucleus in baseball, probably... especially, you need a good supporting cast just as much as you do need, like, top not talent. even that. Though. Let's see. Let's that see how nucleus it... is like a year away from being broken up. Fernando Reyes was yeah. really solid last year. Fernando Reyes is really good in MLB The Show. Fernando Reyes is so good in real life. <laughs> no, but also they play in a division in which the Twins, who are regressing, are still Overrated. disgusting on paper. And I haven't signed Nelson Cruz yet. Like, give me a break. The Twins please, are overrated. Years old. Brandon loves Nelson Speaking Cruz. But the White Sox look insane right now. So yeah, this is a changing of the guard for the division. I don't even think they're making the playoffs and they just got MLB talent back. Like, what are we doing? But I'm not the GM, so I don't know. One more thing on Lindor before we move on to other MLB news. So. I just wanted to respond to Matt's point. He was saying that this could not work out for the Mets if um talking about Lindor's offense and like, you know, the the contract, the extension not working out. I can agree with that in the sense that if Lindor is becoming more of an average player offensively, it does not make him worth the three hundred million that he would most likely sign for. So in order to make that contract worth it, he would have to, you know, be the slugging shortstop and have you know, a decent batting average. So I don't expect his offense to be as poor or as average as it was in 2020, but I agree that that would be like one, that could be one way that this, this extension wouldn't work out, but yeah. And it could handicap them to sign other players like Conforto or Syndergaard, you know, they're not going to be able to yeah, keep but Steve Cohen is $14 billion. I've never oh, heard. I've never heard MLB analysts talk more about an owner's net worth than I have since Steve Cohen. No, but who actually follow the Mets, you know that they're probably going to stay under the luxury tax and they're going to try to be a, resp- a somewhat responsible franchise and not like be the Phillies and just, you know, spend a stupid amount of money. Their owner said that like to the public, they were, they're going to spend a stupid amount of money. Steve Cohen's not going to do that. And I don't buy it. He might actually do yeah, that. Yeah, I, I he might do that. <laughs> he might get power hungry and the Uncle Steve thing might get to his head. <laughs> My guy, he put, he's a New York owner. It could happen. We've seen yeah. it happen. Yeah, but seen, he, <laughs> we have seen it happen. He got he got to the dance. He got all this money because he was patient and smart with his money. So okay, we'll but see. you realize that Steve Cohen was literally indicted for insider trading? Like, <laughs> I don't know if all that smart. money is no, so genuine. You know what, though? Fact to him, he was smart with his money. He knew where to put his okay, money. Okay, well, also Steve okay. Cohen, he bought the Mets for like $2.6 billion, and then like I think he made back two-thirds of that money this year based on like interest in his like investments. All right. We're, this is not a finance podcast. Let's, let's, I, I think we all made some really solid points. Um, it's it's definitely unfair to just say flat out that Lindor is going to suck, uh, but it's a possibility that he could devolve a little bit. But in all, honesty, it, in all honesty, in all honesty, at least on paper for now, it's a really good trade. 
and a pretty terrible trade and a pretty apropos trade for the Indians. Um, quickly, let's talk a little bit about uh, Kyle Schwarber signing with the Nationals. Um, yeah, Schwarber was it. obviously a hero of, of the Chicago Cubs in the 2016 playoffs uh, when he came back for the World Series after being injured for like the whole year. Uh, he kind of got platooned a little bit with like Ian Happ uh, in recent years. And I mean, he has a low batting average. Usually he's like pretty much a slugger, but I mean, he's a really solid. I mean, he's a pretty solid bat. And Washington needs a little bit of a jolt to their lineup, to their young lineup. The veteran presence might be a little bit of a help. I like the signing. Um, I don't really have a lot of analysis on it. No, because, well, think about it this way. Think about it this yeah. way. Who has been their first baseman for like forever? Who's like very ancient and has a pretty similar skill set? Uh, Derek Jeter. Right. No, I think he replaces Ryan Zimmerman pretty well. I think this bat fits and it fits really well if they DH him. If they don't DH him, I'll well, tell you this. I don't know if the DH is coming back. No, I know. So I'm saying if it doesn't come back and he has to play the fields, this is a lot harder to swallow. He is like, I agree. He and Nick Castellanos are like the worst fielders like ever, like I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. Maybe Clint Frazier enters the conversation hilariously, but like really Wasn't it's those Clint two. Frazier like nominated for a gold glove? <laughs> he was in right field. None of it made sense. None of it made sense. Yeah, I agree. Look, gold glove was a farce anyway. Yeah, I agree. Well, but, nowadays it's less less so, but <laughs> I don't know. It's brutal. But Schwarber in a vacuum for his bat is a good thing. Like they could use the bat and they could use the homer power. So I like it. I don't think it's going to put them over the edge, but I said it in our uh, preview of the NL East. I really like the nationals and I really don't think they're far away from being amazing again. So these tiny, you know, signings, Schwarber is not going to be expensive. I don't know what his money was. He is not a big signing. These types of deals where they fit a role, that's how you build a team. So I, I definitely like it. I don't know that it's going to be like newsworthy at the end of the year, but if he hits 30 homers, which is not out of the realm of possibility, no one will be complaining no matter what his batting average is. Here's my quick thoughts on Kyle Schwarber. Uh, so he came up as a catcher and like also an outfielder, but doesn't catch anymore. He's going to primarily play like left field or right field. Uh, maybe even get some time at first base, I think. Yeah, but probably. Josh Bell, look at the most reps there. Um, clearly, the Nationals had a problem, you know, hitting last year, getting protection around Juan Soto after losing Anthony Rendon. So, yeah, they've gotten two bats so far in Josh Bell and now Kyle Schwarber. Um, and like Logan said, this is this replaces Ryan Zimmerman, who's probably not going to come back, and Adam Eden, who, who they also let go. So... I don't love it. I mean, he's gotten better in the outfield, Kyle Schwarber, so he's not an absolute, like, mess out there. I mean, you could have him play left field, like, you know, 80, 80 games out of 162, but I don't think he should be out there every day. And his bat, I mean, he's not going to hit, like, 300 ever, but he was really bad last year, and he would have to hit way closer to 250, like he did in 2019, to make his bat palatable. But, yeah, he did hit 38 home runs that year and had an OPS. So yeah, he's a very solid hitter. Um, he does have a lot of swing and miss in this game, but I mean, I, I don't think this really solves the nationals. I, they're going for a lot of power this off season. So, you know, Schwarber, Bell, Soto, it's a very power loaded middle of the order, but I think they could use a little bit more contact in there. I, I don't know. I guess I'm a, I mean, like Juan Soto kind of does a little bit of everything, but 
I think the I think the bottom line is that the it's a very crowded division right now, and Logan and I have very different opinions on the Nationals. I I think that they're probably on the lower tier of the division. I agree. I think Michael Brantley made a lot more sense here, like a lefty, like contact hitter that could mix. I agree, but I don't think the money's even close. Like I think Brantley's going to get. I agree. That's that's fair. More money. Well, Schwarber had a lot of interest. What did Schwarber get paid? Ten million. Ten million for one year. See, the one year is huge because Brantley probably is going to get like fifteen million per year. I guess I'm guessing. Yeah, Brantley might get. Yeah, he'll probably get something like LeMahieu's contract when he signed with the Yankees. Yeah, 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 um, maybe, yeah, maybe a little more. But it's a one-year deal. I mean, these are kind of like band-aids. I feel like I feel like they could have. He is young though. Schwarber is twenty-seven years old and had a lot of interest around the league. So we'll see if it works out. But I didn't honestly. Schwarber to the Nationals was not on my radar. I thought he fit more with an Amer- with an American League team, like a Rays or like a Yankees or I don't know, like a Twins. The Yankees were reported to be Cruz. in him. Hmm? The Yankees were reported to be interested in him. Yeah, because they have no lefties in their lineup. Yeah, I actually disagree. I Aaron Judge could hit as a lefty if he really wanted. No, but to. I don't know where Schwarber was going to play. Like, we don't even have this DH spot to hand him. So like everyone that. gets injured on the Yankees. He'll he would have found found a spot to play. That's All right, fair. that's enough. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, let's, it's a solid signing. I like it. It's fine. Let's quickly. Uh, talk a little bit about the Red Sox hiring Bianca Smith, uh, who is the first black woman to coach at any level in baseball. Uh, she was a hitting coach at Carroll University in Wisconsin. And again, she is a part of the Red Sox farm system now. Uh, this is kind of like the Kim Ang sort of situation. This is not the Red Sox trying to uh, appease their stakeholders with some corporate social responsibility bullcrap. They're trying to win games, and the Red Sox don't exactly have the greatest of farm systems. And if this move makes sense, then it makes sense. It, like, I, I again, I'm surprised that a woman hasn't been hired by any baseball team before. Um, I, I don't know like that much about uh, Smith's sort of philosophy and how she trains her hitters, but. I mean, in a couple of years, uh, we could see huge dividends pay off for the Red Sox. We could also see it work out terribly, but that doesn't mean that like she sucks at being a hitting coach because she's a woman. <laughs> it, I mean, she what she has the same knowledge as any other hitting coach. And if the Red Sox hired her, probably a little bit more, uh, or at least a different sort of knowledge. So, uh, just like with Kim Ang with the Marlins. A very monumental move by the Red Sox, the last team to integrate uh, during the age right after the color barrier. So this is, um, if on a historical perspective, a very interesting move for the Red Sox. But in all honesty, if this works out, it, it could really sort of trim the gender gap in baseball a lot. And again, we'll, we'll really have to see how it turns out. But on paper, it looks really solid. Yeah, I'll add this. Um, she was hired to be uh, very reliant on statistical metrics and data analysis. These are things that the Red Sox probably could use, realistically. I mean, they've been a little dated with stuff like that. Um, she she seems like a really solid hire. She actually, I'm reading an article now by ESPN, 
She's reported to have super high aspirations, and that's what you want to see out of a coach in the uh, minors, really anywhere. You want your coach to have high aspirations. So she wants to be a head coach um, at the major league level, a manager, and she wants to be a GM. So we like to see. Um, it's definitely going to be a good co- a good hire. I don't. I, I hope we hear more about it, honestly. Uh, she graduated from Dartmouth. I mean, she's certainly got she's, the mind. She's pretty smart. She's smarter than anyone in the Red Sox organization, and I'm super confident in saying that these days. So Why would you yeah, say that about Chaim Bloom? The woat, but I, he <laughs> might actually be the woat, honestly. No, but I, I really like the hire. It's pretty awesome. Um, so hopefully hopefully we hear more about this. Hopefully we get some continuity with the news and that we could actually like see the progress that she's made in the minors. Um, because I'm sure it will be there. So that's definitely exciting. Um, lastly, which serves as a really nice segue, uh, we got a sticky situation in our hands with two, we of, the do. Best, two of the best pitchers in the MLB. In, uh, One Garrett of them on Cole. me and Logan's favorite team. Right, Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander. So there's been talks. I don't want to say it's official, but there's been talks from but a fire Angels, Angels clubhouse attendant who has said that several pitchers have been um, like tampering with baseballs while they pitched. One of them was Garrett Cole. One was Verlander. As you can see, there's a trend here on the Astros. Once again, I hate the Astros. Um, So apparently he has text evidence from Garrett Cole uh, saying that he, you know, was going to tamper with the balls. So all jokes aside, that's bad. <laughs> that is not good. Um, anytime you get uh, things like this reported, it's a problem, right? Anytime you hear, I mean, players get suspended for this. Pineda got suspended for this, actually. So it happens. Um, we, I don't remember the last time a pitcher of these two ilk got in any trouble for something like this. And it is just another feather in the hat of the Astros that more and more cheating is under their clubhouse but um well hold on it wasn't it wasn't an astro scandal it was more no i know it's those two players they yeah but it's not the astros it's no i know but i'm just saying the the two biggest players were on the astros that's a little bit weird but i'll i'll uh i mean like max scherzer and felix hernandez they're also named i mean yeah yeah it's max scherzer uh, adam wainwright your your homie a lot of pl- a lot of prominent pitchers. Oh, are- also Cam Bedrosian, huge, huge. <laughs> um, oh, also Kluber, Chatwood. Oh, yeah, I did not realize this was so many people. Okay, so this is a, if this is true. All right, you know what? This actually changes my analysis. If this is true, nobody's getting any suspension. That's hilarious. If we think anything's going to come of this, there's no way you're going to see 15 to 20 MLB starters suspended. I, there's um, no- you might see them. You might see them get, um, like ostracized in Hall of Fame consideration. Definitely, they could get tainted, uh, but they will not. No be precedent suspended. for that right now. There is stuff. not, and that's a guy who doesn't like steroid users. And there's definitely like pitchers in right now that have like used substances. You know, it's been a. They all did. It's kind Everyone of normalized did. a bit. I think just like you know, like when pitchers, you know, it, it just. It is what it is. You know, that's like the general reaction to, you know, pitchers doctoring baseballs. Well, which is, here's you know- the deal. Here's the deal. I mean, the biggest, I guess, scandal or even story that has to do with doctoring anything is the Pine Tar game. Uh, in 1983, the Royals were playing the Yankees 
and Yankees manager Billy Martin got word from Yankees legend uh, Greg Nettles that I think it was 1983. Let's just go with it for now. It was uh, George Brett was on the Royals. That's the bottom line. Uh, anyway, Billy Martin got word that George Brett was using a little bit too much pine tar in his bat. Okay. Lo and behold, he hits a go ahead home run in like the top of the ninth. And Billy Martin immediately, uh, like marches up to the home plate umpire and is like, let me see the bat. And they measure the pine tar that's on the bat. And it exceeds the length of home plate, which is like the measurement that they used to use. Um, and the umpire ended up calling Brett out. And there's a crazy video of a hall of fame, third baseman storming out of the dugout, like a crazed bull and yelling and screaming at the entire umpiring crew. What ended up happening is this was actually overturned. Um, that the home run ended up standing and the Yankees ended up losing the game when it was replayed uh, like a month and a half later. So doctoring bats and baseballs did not hurt George Brett when he was elected for, uh, for the hall of fame when he received like 90 plus percent of the vote in his like first year of eligibility. Um, so in addition to that, like, why was the spitball ever banned? <laughs> like, it's like a good pitch. I don't know. Like, I well, get it. And it's like, saying, tamp- like tampering baseballs, tampering bats. But then like, you know, it's has a different standing in the game than like actually chemically changing your body. Yeah, you know, you exactly. You can, you can physically, you know, you can change the bat. You can change the ball. You can, you know, that's like, or even science stealing. It's like, oh, like, you know, take whatever advantage you can get like on the field, but off the field with like workout and, and training and all that stuff, that stuff is looked upon more negatively. And I mean, it can have the same similar results on the baseball field. And it is in- interesting that, you know, we don't look at this, this, you know, ver- you know, it's more similar than it is, but just to backtrack a little bit, just, you know, give more context for the situation. So it's not an employer on the Astros, but it was a visiting clubhouse t- uh, assistant, Brian Hawkins, who was the guy that like gave out these substances and to read out a text that was like in the reported. Um, so, hey, it. Bubba, it's Garrett Cole. So he worked for like a lot of pitchers and like giving out these substances and he was fired. He was like kind of the scapegoat for the situation. Um, and he filed a defamation lawsuit in which he revealed this information. So that's why this is all coming out right now. So the text that Cole sent was, hey, Bubba, it's Garrett Cole. Uh, wondering if you could help me out with this sticky situation with a winky face emoji. Uh, we don't see you until May, but we have some road games, road games in April that are cold, that are in cold weather places. The stuff I had last year seizes up when it gets cold. So yeah, Gary Cole was an um, you know, a Cy Young candidate that same year. Apparently, um, he was a little bit in a sticky situation. Yeah, but it links other pitchers like from Kluber to Verlander to you know Wainwright. Tyler Chatwood so Cy Young candidates as well as lower pitchers that you know aren't as you know that didn't have as much success so it's not like a an insane correlation between using his substances along with you know success but the go-go juice as it's called um you know got him fired Brian Hawkins fired from the Angels but yeah he's putting out this lawsuit saying that like you know this is way really widespread across the game and he shouldn't have to be you know, punish for, you know, all these players and this, the players getting no, um, 
basically like having a one person scandal and how MLB has avoided disciplining the players that, you know, have broken the rules and have doctored the baseballs and, you know, give them, giving them better grip, giving them better spin rate. Um, I mean, Trevor Bauer had a whole video about this coming out and saying that, you know, how did Garrett Cole get so good? You know, how, there's so much cheating going on with doctoring baseballs. And, you know, if I if I did the same things that they're doing, I could, you know, win a Cy Young Award. And, you know, lo and behold, he uh, had a, his spin rate drastically increased in 2020. And well, won a I wonder why. Award. <laughs> well, he said so, he literally said there was one game he literally cheated. He said he cheated and had like a one hitter over eight innings. It's like a crazy article. And he knew he could say that because he knew he knows that MLB is not going to, you know, MLB, if MLB does not have to get like forced into like, they didn't even suspend the Astros players for like their whole science dealing scandal. So if Rod Manfred actually went out and suspended some of these pitchers for cheating and like not the Astros, like that's a pretty, it's a bad look. And I don't know. I think MLB just doesn't want to have any more cheating. So I think they already have their hands full with steroids in the game. So just to have another, you know, pitchers and um, it just, you know, MLB is not the most holiest of sports, like, like like all sports. So if they don't have to do to take action, they're not going to. So I think the players are going to have to, if there is going to be actual change or um, I guess uh, action taken against these players, I think, you know, hitters are going to have to step up and, you know, call the stuff out to, you know, the major leagues, uh, front offices and be like, Hey, like these are bad substances. Like these should not be allowed in games and these players should be held accountable, but hitters aren't doing that. So who knows? Maybe, maybe the hitters like it when the, or maybe the hitters are doing something else that we're not aware of. Yeah. They uh, don't want to, as I'm sure they, they, they don't, they don't want to throw, um, what's the saying Stones from a glass house. Yeah. They don't want to do that. So no, here's the deal. Here's here's right, Joe Biden. my opinion on what's going on. So here's the deal. Go. Thank you. That is a madism now, I think. Thank you. Me we and Joe Biden. Yeah. My my point is that like this isn't the only time that like doctoring baseballs or even bats again is like is is brought up. I mean, what's the little white bag that sits behind the mound? when powder. pitchers are pitching yeah it's powder yeah yeah i mean obviously it's like not it, it might not be to the same caliber as like you know the go-go juice but you could call powder a foreign substance it is and a then what substance. about and then like football like football used to have like stick them which w- receivers would put on their hands that would let them catch the ball and then everyone started using gloves which is the yeah. same thing it's not yeah. really a foreign substance because it's not like a goo, but batting gloves, you could call that a, like a, a, a quote unquote foreign. I substance. completely agree. This is where it gets really weird. Yeah. There's like, no consistency. Not only is there no consistency, but like, let's just think about this. Is any, is, are, is the normal fan actually upset about the fact that they're using something to make, make themselves better? Like, I don't well, think. No, that's not the argument at all. <laughs> No, well, listen, no, not steroids. Steroid is something that makes you chemically on the inside better. Putting something on your hand, just like the powder, is like 
it's a it's a tough sell for fans. I don't think fans are appalled by the thought of putting it's not on even the fact that fans aren't appalled. It's that no one should be appalled. It's literally LeBron's exactly. celebration to use a foreign. But substance. nothing happens. Nothing happens if fans like if fans don't care. The MLB is certainly not going to do anything, right? If the fans start getting upset about it, it might force the MLB's hand. But I agree. The only way that anything comes of this is if a batter says mid-game, "Hey, ump, look at his, look at his ball." Like there's something on the ball, even if that were to happen, it would not be a big deal. Like there's no way this is going to blow up. It, and I honestly, I don't even think anything's going to come of it because like Matt said, in the grand scheme of things, is this even really like that such boring. a bad thing? It's not who cares. Like of all the things in baseball, like Brennan said, this is so not where, you know, the MLB is going to get involved and get their hands dirty. They'd rather push it under the rug to begin with. They'd rather no, don't ask, don't tell with the with this whole situation. Like it's just easier. So there has to I be don't an think... established consistency in order for this guy Baba to have a case. I mean, well, like there is, defamation there is an established rule. Technically speaking, this is not allowed. So they just need to enforce it if they really are intent on doing anything. No, I know, but you know. like I I don't exactly know what the whole defamation case is like really about. Like going into the legalese of it. I'm not exactly sure what it's all about, but the bottom line is that there are foreign substances everywhere. And I also don't really know why the spitball was ever banned. Like, I think that's just like a fun pitch that makes sense. Yeah. You have spit. You could use it just well, like the hand and you on the pitch. pitching side. All right. So, so I guess you have a different take on, you know, physically altering your body as opposed to like doctoring, like the stuff around the baseball field, like, you know, if sign stealing or if like pine tar or like rosin bags well, no. or sign stealing is a lot different. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I feel like there's has to be a consistent basis here. Like, you know, with the rules here, there's no, but rules, rules are one thing, but you can't just say that sign stealing and sub and doctor. I know. And MLB came out and they, thing. and MLB came out and they, they came out and they redefined what the, for like electronic sign stealing, what the, what the the guidelines were for that and they have to take a similar stance with the doctoring of baseballs so, you know maybe certain amount of pine tars allowed but not past a certain amount like they have to there has to be clear explicit directives given to pitchers and for teams to you know how to i guess like handle their pitchers and how to here's the i guess thing call though. out other teams that are, are that are but violating these protocols it won't happen it won't happen. We're, the MLB is not going to say you're allowed this much pine tar and not this because it's who. Well, no look one... how easily Trevor Bauer elevated his game just based on, you know, we're assuming he he uh, was doctoring the baseballs a bit last year too, just to improve his game. Like I'm sure Garrett Cole and Wainwright and all those pitchers, you know, named did. But look how much money Trevor Bauer is going to make because of his 2020 season. You know, it, it's it's a it's um. There's so much benefit to not doing this doctoring. So so why isn't everyone doing it? Why is there only a few people named in this case when Well, that's my point. Apparently there's, there's so many benefits doing this. There's probably a lot more people doing this. That's 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 what but I'm this, saying. But for the for for the few all right, so for the people that aren't using this for their pitching technique, it's probably, you know, what what's stopping them from doing it? Is it because of like morals or ethics or you know, maybe maybe it doesn't help them? I don't know. It's just really odd to me that like, I don't know. It's not, there's not as much like more animosity towards these pitchers that 
are doing this sort of thing like because they're they're gonna get so much more money and so much more job security and status based on you know how their results are affected by this it all boils down to the fact that you're right this is essentially inhibiting um basically everyone should cheat because the mlb has basically set the precedent that they don't care and the biggest reason for this is they didn't even they didn't you know punish the astros and that was that literally affected two championships this isn't even near that level and everyone should be doing it the fact of the matter is the mlb shot themselves in the foot the day they set this precedent that they will not like at any point the mlb could just say hey players if you come forward and be honest and tattletale you won't get you know indicted and i promise you the players will be lining up at his door if that ever happens so it's just the way the mlb rolls that they don't you're right they don't really care they clearly don't care so anything that could come of this will be done like retroactively years from now when so enough people are upset about it in league offices you know enough rich people care or enough fans care they start losing money something has to be like it's it's all money it's money and it's publicity but even the publicity is not enough with the mlb so i i doubt anything will come of this if anything, I think it, it'll go unresolved and we'll talk about this in five years if someone else gets caught. Uh, do you guys think anything's going to happen? I doubt it. No, I don't because the, I, I think that, first of all, different types of cheating are in their own categories. I'm not grouping sign stealing and doctoring substances and steroids all in the same thing because they have different ramifications for different lengths and different situations. Fair. In I addition agree. to that, within foreign substance abuse, or I mean, that's like drug taking, but like, yeah. like foreign substance use, we could say, I, I really think that there has to be some consistency because, again, there, there were, it was maybe even worse before like batting gloves were added and like before powder was really regularly used. So there has to be specific guidelines that are heavily, heavily regulated by umpires in the game in order for this to really be remedied. Because at the moment I have a bias that says, well, why was a spitball banned? It's a, it was a good pitch. And like, there are hall of famers that use spitballs. There aren't any hall of famers that, I mean, there so the steroid users of the late nineties and early two thousands are not in the hall of fame. That's basically my point that like we, we kind of knew that spitballs were, I guess on paper, not that great, but there are spitballers that are in the hall of fame. So I, I think that within, within foreign substances, there has to be some consistency. And I think that's major league baseball's job to establish it. And again, not be, I don't think it should be based on if they're losing money or not. It should be based on the integrity of the game to maintain cash flows over a oh, period of time. Oh, they don't care about that. Ask, ask, talk about, talk to Bud Selig about the 2000s when he threatened people's jobs about, you know, po posing. I am well aware. I am well aware. But as someone, I'm, I'm saying, has, like, but as someone who has learned about corporate social responsibility, you don't do CSR. Uh, you don't do CSR to, uh, to appease your stakeholders. You do CSR because it will increase your chances at future profits. 
Oh yeah, it's all about money. It's a, it's business. It's, it's, you know, on, of on course, both it's end. a business. Of course, it's a business. But being, but being, uh, but having integrity, and and uh, being uh, transparent would equal more money. It's not well, the other it, way if around. It, if it, if it looks like be, they're being, they shouldn't if it feel looks like, like they're they, being transparent. I'm sure that helps. As long as it looks like they're being honest and transparent and being, you know, if they have, if they look like they're doing the bare, you know, the minimum to, you know, in maintain the integrity of the game, that's enough for them. You know, they don't have to go above and beyond. Yeah, that's true. That's hundred percent true. That's how they fire. That's how, I mean, they did the same thing with Cora. They said, he's stuck exactly, the game exactly. That, that didn't actually They'll do the bare the minimum to make a look, to appease those that, you know, that are threatening their business. Right. That's what I'm saying. That's not the right way to do corporate social responsibility. Oh, absolutely. No. Yeah. Well, that's, what, that's what that's businesses do. That's what baseball is doing. No. Okay. Yeah, it's bad yes. business though. We all agree. We all, I think we're all on the same page. Nothing's going to happen and it's bad news and the MLB kind of sucks and they're going to drop the ball again on this, but I don't thing. know what, do you agree? I know. I agree. I just think I also, but I also agree that MLB should really provide more directive and be more specific with their their rules here and they, they have to update them from time to time you know players are always going to be looking for shortcuts and ways to cheat the game and to increase their their you know to improve their stats and to improve their game so MLB just can't have the same rules the same rule book from like 10 or 15 years ago and be like oh like these are the rules that we had you know you have to constantly be looking out for these things and being clear to the players and to the teams about what is okay and what's not okay. And I also agree that you can't just look at, you know, you have to separate all types of cheating and direct and address those issues separately. Like they have with electronic sign sealing, they have a whole memo and they have a whole process for what's illegal and what's legal for sign sealing nowadays. It should be the same thing with doctoring baseballs. It's the same thing. It should be, you know, the same thing, how they had same way they have, how they handle, you know, with their PED policy, they should have a policy for, you know, what's clearly illegal and not legal. Like play, the, the fans on Twitter should not have to be doing the homework for them. You know, you'll see on Twitter, like, oh, like, you know, pictures on, on, on newscasts on like the TV of like the pine tar on their neck, like during a commercial, like the yeah. baseball fans should not having to be doing, you know, baseball's job to maintaining integrity of the game. But I just, it, it is it is on MLB. They have to have more directives and clear rules, and they should be more on top of these things. But it seems like they're always like shocked that their players are trying to cheat the system. It's like what players <laughs> are trying to get better. And with like that, it's probably a good time to transition yep. into Hall of Fame discussions. Oh, yep. Well, or um, almost Hall of Fame. Almost Hall of Fame discussions. Um, right. Yeah. The guys that won't, or we don't think we'll get in or is yeah. not on our ballot. Yeah. Well, we're pretty much like, I, we might have to do another episode on hall of fame stuff because there are a couple of steroid users on the ballot right now. Um, and we can kind of go around and say our opinions right. on their stances and if they deserve to be on the ballots, but there are other guys that are, that are, at least that haven't been proven and haven't really been connected to steroids that we, we might again have to say for another podcast, right. but I, I can go first. Cause my stance on steroids is pretty simple. 
Well, um, hold on. Time out also. There is one thing, though, because there are guys that didn't take steroids that are, like, pretty high on the ballot that we just didn't put on. We could talk about those people, too. No, I know. But that's what I'm saying, that, like, we might, we might stick with steroids for a while, so. Yeah, that's fair. All right, yeah. so speak your piece. What are you thinking right now? Yeah, I'm just, I'm not in favor of steroids at all whatsoever. There's a difference between, like, putting powder or even putting go-go juice on your hands and literally injecting yourself with performance enhancing drugs. Um, and I think there's also a precedence when you watch some of these players come out um, and announce that they've taken steroids. Like I remember Mark McGuire's video really well and like, he's loved by St. Louis and I'm like, he must be so embarrassed to, yeah. to, have that reputation of being a steroid user because i mean like bush stadium still has like the big mac porch or whatever but like that video of mark mcguire coming out as a steroid user is like so sad yeah like it's it's heartbreaking to watch there's a reason why people lie about it i think a lot of these guys know what they what they did was wrong and they just didn't realize it because they were like young or kids or even in their mid thirties, I, as an adult, I think you're still finding yourself not even like a midlife crisis sort of thing, but I think you always just make mistakes when you're. I agree. In a but position of power. They definitely knew what they do. They definitely no, knew I what know, they were I know, doing. and that's what I'm saying. I that's what I'm saying that they did know that what they were doing, and they realized it a little bit too late. I mean, there's some steroid guys that are like, I didn't take steroids, or even if they did, they're like, and oh, I'm proud of it. That everyone did. else did. No, but referencing that that video where McGuire came out about being a steroid guy he said that i did it i you know i know it's wrong and i apologize for it but he said that i did it for injuries i did it to heal faster you know i didn't really you know he still didn't go all the way he uh, he did apologize but he, he didn't go all the way to say as to you know i i took this these steroids to you know really beef up my power numbers he didn't go he said like oh it's more for like injuries that's what all players say they say it's oh I didn't really know like the substance I really was trying to do it for like other reasons and I didn't really think it was so it's, it's not really for the purpose of me like getting better like you know it's just a really naive excuse to just say that you know there's other circumstances besides you just trying to be the best player and the you know that you can be to like generate more money and success for yourself it's you know it's a pretty bad it's a pretty bad take. Yeah, and I never yeah. believe a player when they when they use that excuse to that they're using it for injuries. I'm sure they are to some extent, but it's also like, like what you're not using it for performance. Yeah, Give me a break. yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, I don't want to say that like they're totally lying about not using it to rehabilitate it's a half truth. It's a half truth. Okay, even 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 so, it's a band. It, it's banned. Like you literally can't use it. They're genuinely no, breaking know, the rules on purpose. I mean, of course, at a time for like a nine-year period from like 1994 to 2002 or something, it wasn't enforced. Like there were no drug screenings or anything. So players could just juice up all they wanted. And in the 90s, we saw a huge rise in power, namely the home run race in 98 between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. It's true. No, so, I know. I, I, players apologize for breaking the rules, but they don't go out the they don't go all the way and admit to trying you know apologize for cheating 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 other players by improving their performance they'll apologize for breaking the rules but they'll usually say that they took it for other you know other reasons besides no i 
I do agree with I think, that. I think what Matt is saying though, and I think it's inter- I think it's like important to say is that like at the end of the day, the reason in which someone takes steroids really doesn't matter. Like we might think it matters, and like as a player, it might help them sleep at night to say that like you know what I didn't mean to hurt someone. I just took it because I'm rehabbing. Like Andy Pettit is a good example of this. Like I believe Andy Pettit when he says this, but like it is illegal. It's definitely they know it's illegal, especially when you did it later. Like the guys that did it, like while in that grace period, which really wasn't a grace period, or else we wouldn't be talking about them. And it was also you know, to counteract the strike. And right. Bud is a is a corrupt, like right. idiot who doesn't exactly. deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Well, that's that. Also true. a racist. Also true. Sure. Um, no, but like those people that did it between '94 and '02, like their their reasons and and alibis are different than the people that did it after that like you know like pettit you know like those guys will have different reasons for using it we are going to group them pretty much the same though because like realistically you know clemens and bonds two of the best players of an mlb history are not in the hall of fame right now and it's because of steroids and there's no other way you know what i mean whether they came out tomorrow and said i'm so incredibly sorry like I ruined the game of baseball and I am culpable for millions of people's careers. They still probably don't get in the hall of fame. So yeah, like, they the wouldn't the day, get like, they wouldn't get like sympathy votes. Exactly. No, so but if I'm a player, point, what's the point? No, well, some, so some writers like will elect guys like Clemens and bonds and put them on their ballot on the basis that there was no testing back then. So technically they didn't, you know, have like, they weren't morally doing anything wrong. Like they were cheating the game. Like, on a you know on a personal level but they weren't actually breaking the rules but they'll knock they'll they'll vote for bonds and clemens but not not vote for like an a-rod or a manny ramirez who actually right. violated the tests but that I also like, doesn't that also doesn't make any sense because like laws are I'm created because people do stuff, do stuff badly like when bernie madoff was accused yeah. of all the frauds that he was accused of in the ponzi schemes like and and like when Arthur Anderson and Enron and that whole business scandal at the beginning of the 2000s came out, that inspired a, a very big accounting regulation called the Sarbanes-Oxley Act, which makes the stuff that happened before illegal. No, so, I don't know. I'm just saying the vote, the votes are there for them. Like they're at 60 percent, like oh, pretty, pretty like, you know, every year they're around that 60 percent, 55 percent. So these votes are coming from from somewhere and people have their own like reasoning behind it like they can say that you know barry bond was a hall of fame before like he physically transformed um but it's unfortunate because we don't have the evidence and the hall of fame doesn't provide uh same same thing for the mlb how they don't provide you know clear guidelines for illegal pitching the same thing for you know electing PED users of the hall of fame there's no clear instructions besides just like the character clause and the integrity of the game so for that reason because we don't have clear directives like hey like anyone that's violated the pd test like once or twice you cannot they're not eligible for the ballot these guys are eligible to be voted in and every voter has to be like their own judge and jury and executioner which is pretty unfair so for that reason you know since i'm not gonna you know that's why i lump the pd guys together whether it's before bc before christ before you know the before the the pd testing came into play or AD after the testing came into place. Um, I think that's the only way you can do it, to be honest. Like, um, 
because what you're gonna put you you, you you're not gonna put so you had Barry Bonds in but not a Rod. It I is interesting what you said there though because you said that to make it the most fair the MLB would need to say like you know steroids after one like getting caught one time makes you like ineligible to be on the ballot. I actually don't think that that is fair because what makes the Hall of Fame discussion in every sport so special is that it really is to the discretion of the voter. And so like that would that would That's tamper true. with you know the autonomy of the of the vote like i don't know i kind of like that we have this conversation about these guys that's a like, very they, conservative point of view logan and i find it very funny <laughs> i'm just saying like it is interesting like i i the hall of fame ballot baseball is by far the like the weirdest one but like no I, it's the best one i didn't say it was best or worst i said the weirdest okay <laughs> that's fair i think no, it's but the i'm best. saying like we vote like we have like opinions on players and like we, you know, up to 10, like it's this very like rule, like it's, there's a lot of rules involved with this one comparatively to like other ones. I think it would be a lot to ask the MLB to put in another thing about steroids. And I don't think it'll happen. I think voters, if, if, if enough people in baseball writers of America want him in, or I'm really talking about Clemens and Bonds right now, or A-Rod for that matter, if they want them in, like, who is the MLB to now say that they can't be in? Like, it should just be on the voters because that's, like, why they're voting. Like, you know what I mean? What's well, really... The majority, the majority of voters want them in, which is weird. Like, you know, Bonds got 60, 60.7% last year, which is not, you know, he needs 75% to get in. But, like, it's kind of crazy to think that the majority of voters, like, you know, would vote for Barry Bonds. And but you need more than the majority. You need 75, which I know, is why it's which cool. Is good, but you need, you need... It's more than an impeachment. You need you need a consensus. Now, that's basically. a conversation we should have. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> well, it's actually no. not more than the impeachment. It's more it's than the, the removal of office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To get technical yeah. about it. So, actually, I want to bring up... I want to bring up two guys that are contemporary mm-hmm. steroid users that we love very much. Uh, two guys that Brendan really likes to talk about, and Robinson Cano and oh no, Robinson Cano and Nelson Cruz. I want to talk about them very briefly and just sort of through my stance of steroids, explain why I don't think they're Hall of Famers. Um, so my genuine view of steroids is it destroys the integrity of the game and it represents a really terrible time in baseball, um, where greedy ownership led to a forced rise in ratings by way of Bud Selig being like, Hey, you guys can take steroids and we're not going to check. So I don't care if you took it at the beginning of your career or the end of your career, the very act, at least for me, makes me think that steroid users aren't hall of famers. Just that. So Nelson Cruz, although, um, he took it before he really exploded does not deserve to be in the hall of fame based on my criteria for keeping out steroid users. Robinson Cano is a little bit different, at least at first, because when he was caught at first, he was using a drug that was usually used to block steroids, at least the detection of steroids and yes, in that I'm case, talking. in that case, an investigation was actually done by Major League Baseball, and they determined that an 80-game suspension was appropriate. Right then and there, I, I thought that he wasn't a Hall of Famer. 
Because, yeah, you could have used something that, that blocked the detection of steroids. And I think by um, by the MLB's guidelines that you don't necessarily get suspended. It's just that the, the investigation has to prove that you're recovering up steroids with the use of that drug. So right then and there, as soon as that happened, as soon as that suspension was announced, I was like, Cano's not a Hall of Famer for me. Then when he got suspended the second time, just a couple of months ago, it only solidified the fact. I didn't care if he used it now. I don't care if he used it with the Yankees. The very fact that he used it for me makes him not a Hall of Famer. Yeah, you have a very hard stance on, which is, you know, which is good for like being consistent. So I think for me, my difference is like, so I would have Nelson Cruz in the Hall of Fame, even though he did, did he, he failed one PED test, right? Yeah, and he was suspended. Yeah. Okay, so this is where it gets a little murky for me because I do not have Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens on my ballot. I mean, yeah, I did not vote for them last episode, but I guess I would have Nelson Cruz hypothetically on my on my ballot, but I would actually have to think about it because, I mean, Nelson Cruz was popped, I think, like in 2013 or 2014, and afterwards he went to, like, Baltimore and this in the Mariners and now the Twins, and he was incredible. He was He even got, like, he's gotten better with age. Uh, hasn't gotten busted, I would say. Like, I mean, I guess like, you know, he, you, you can only you can only go on these go off these testings, and he hasn't gotten, you know, he's been hypothetically playing all this, you know, clean for the last seven or eight years, and has been amazing. Um, but yeah, it's tough. It's and then for Bonds, I have him. I don't have him in because of that second half of his career where he did use steroids and. Same thing for Clemens when they were, you know, amazing into their 40s. So it's difficult, especially since Cruz also got a test. Um, I think each player has to be analyzed case by case. I, and I guess that's where I differ from Matt here is that he has a very, he has a line where he doesn't, you know, you can't cross with him to be eligible for the Hall of Fame. I'm like willing to take a look at a player case by case because the Hall of Fame hasn't given uh, a guideline to, for how to handle it. So I think for me, I have to look at it case by case. Uh, for Bonds and Clemens, I guess my case by case analysis would be that uh, it's tough. I, I got to look at their body of work and like if half your career is tainted, no matter how good the first half was, like you have to keep them out. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Just when you just said that, that's a little bit weird. I'm going to read you Nelson Cruz's numbers. His first four years in the in the league, he was not a full-time player. He didn't do much of anything. No, I know. I, if I, I, I do feel a little bit hypocritical. I don't – If I Brendan do, just loves Nelson Cruz. <laughs> yeah, like hardcore. Like I'm just saying, like 2009 to 2013, he was a two-time All-Star and was really, really solid, like 25-ish homers a year. I don't know when he got busted, but from 2013 to 2020, his I average the, home runs went up 10 a year, 15 a year. I like, guess the difference for me was because Nelson Cruz got like better after the steroids, and which is weird. Like Barry Bonds like was good before the steroids, but got better after the steroids. But Cruz got like was worse, you know, while taking or before taking steroids, and then you know what I mean. It's a little bit. Doesn't that make you worse? That's so bad. Yeah, like I, I don't bother even thinking about it. <laughs> no, but not even that. No, but like if he was really, if Nelson Cruz was really sick beforehand and took steroids, 
and then was like worse afterwards. And then you could be like, all right, the steroids didn't help. But he literally was like nowhere near an all-star really. Or like maybe he's like a he's like a like maybe a five time no, all star. So like the season he got busted for PEDs, he was just good but not great. But now he's even without steroids. Hypothetically, if he's clean but, right now. No, you know, I I don't I don't like playing the what if game. If he tests negative, he tests negative. So I mean he's oh, he so he's so enough. he's clean right so he's clean yeah. right now. He's okay, better, okay. So he's better than he was right now off PEDs. But he st- but okay, all right. But this now this is now this gets weird. And now and, I, and I'm a science person. I'm not really sure how this works, right? I don't know if like steroids like permanently change your muscle tone forever. That's true. Or, I'm not sure. I'm gonna say there is some sort of lasting effect, but I'm not. I don't. I I need to do more scientific research on that. I will say this though, it is an odd thing because if we're gonna say like, all right, he had no positive tests after that, and he's just been ridiculous ever since he took steroids. That looks weird. But fine, I'll 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 take that. If like he failed one test and he's just really good now, that's fine. But then by that logic, like if you don't test, like then Robbie Cano only tested two times, which is or really only tested positive one time, which is the same as Cruz. And then so it's like he's been tested a million times since and before. So then like do those two years that he's tested yeah. positive get thrown out? That's, like, that's that's a very good argument. If I if I, I don't know. I would not be upset if Nelson Cruz is not in the Hall of Fame. And to be honest, the more I look at it, and it's tough that's to keep dub. Bonds and Clem. What? I said that's just a dub that Matt and I were able to like just get you off the Nelson Cruz. We did course. it. We won. <laughs> no, well, but I agree. But a few years ago, I was a Bonds and Clemens supporter. Like I, I, I wanted like a few years ago to have Bonds and Clemens in based on their success yeah, were, prior uh, to PED. You were a big Trumpy dump. <laughs> No, this, this is this is like pre-baseball for breakfast. I did want Barry Bonds in, but I, th- I think it just sets a bad precedent because if you let Bonds and Clemens in, I think you're just breaking down the wall of like all PED guys, you know, even if they didn't test positive for a test, like it's obvious based on physically, you know, physically you can see the change in their bodies and their performance into their late 30s and 40s. If you let them in, I think it just lets the dam. It breaks the dam, and it lets you know. It, how could you let any? How could you keep out a Rod? How could you keep out? And it sucks that Bonds and Clemens are the guys that are attached to that that stereotype, but it's very scary because I do like that the Baseball Hall of Fame is so prestigious and hard to get in. And if Bonds and Clemens are in, you really have to let everyone in, and no. I'm not ready to do that. No, you don't. Here's why that doesn't make sense. Every voter has their own basis to why someone gets in. So, like, you could easily say, yeah, like, Bonds and Clemens are in, so, like, now A-Rod, like, should get in. But, like, it's not, like, you, you still need the vote. Like, you still need enough people to agree. And Yeah, then, you still need the 75%. And, and everyone like, is voting individually. I get what right. Logan is saying, but, but I also people, get what Brendan people, is saying. But, but people I? vote no, on I precedence. People vote on precedence. No, and and that's, yeah, and I, agree. I agree Like, very known steroid guys get in. How could you, even if Arod has the positive PED test and Barry Bonds doesn't, if Bonds is in, like, Arod's got to be in, right? He might be, and like maybe that's okay. Like, I, I don't think it's enough, okay though. Like, it's not okay. Well, it never will be. Okay, no, no. You two agree that it's not okay. I don't know how I feel. I'm like, if you're case by case, I'm like, I'm so. It so depends on the person and the situation, and Look, that's why, like, I'll. Admittedly, I was close to putting Bonds and Clemens on my ballot because, like, look, I think that Shane Victorino important. is more deserving of being in the Hall of Fame than Barry Bonds. So, yeah. 
That's that just how I feel. I Do you don't have time to talk about Andrew Jones and some of the other guys that kept I that think up? we should save it. I <laughs> this is There's... a pretty it's a pretty lengthy episode already. We did talk about a lot. I feel like we should devote I mean, unless there's a lot of free agent signings next next week, we might never get to our who should not be in the Hall of Fame vote uh, episode. But I think we should do that next episode. Wait, so but there are some other guys, though, like we didn't really. What if we just talked about like the steroid guys right now? And the next episode talks so Gary about Gary Sheffield. Like, so yeah, we'll talk about Gary Sheffield. Yeah, because yeah, I was going to say talk like, Gary Sheffield. Emmanuel Ramirez. OK, that's fair. Clemens. Gary yeah. Sheffield had 500 homers, and I don't think he ever failed the test either. So he, was, like, he was like talked about in the Balco. I think he talked about. Like... So they were like above and beyond with the steroids. Like Sheffield's like an average Hall of uh, Famer. With wait, steroids. guys, guys. I'm what? sorry. I, I didn't. Did you guys like. I didn't. I I literally. Fine. The podcast carried on without you for a few minutes. I agree. For those at home, Matt just had to quit the uh, podcast real quick, and he's back. But yeah, we did not skip a beat. Don't worry, we we survived. Okay, Uh, so just in case we just lost all the Gary Sheffield footage, do you mind just repeating what you said about Gary Sheffield? Oh, I forgot that you record. No, the Zoom is still recording. I think we should be fine. Let's let's plow through. Okay, but but talk to me about Gary Sheffield. (laughs) Just a quick recap. My case was that. Sheffield doesn't have the votes that Bonds and Clemens does because Bonds and Clemens were so spectacular, even with the PEDs. Like Gary Sheffield's an average Hall of Famer, or maybe a, a little bit above average Hall of Famer for him being connected to PEDs. But I mean, Bonds and Clemens would be like, you know, if they didn't have PEDs, they'd be like a top five player of all time. So that's the that's the distinction that like, you know, PEDs made them from like all stars to legends, whereas like. PEDs made Gary Gary Sheffield from like an All Star to like a Hall of Famer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I feel that. Um, do you have a similar uh, idea about Manny Ramirez? Because I mean, you could argue that Ramirez and Sheffield are pretty much on par, at least for the conversation. I mean, Ramirez had more home runs and more RBIs and a higher batting average. So, so I guess I guess the question would be like uh, whether I hold a P- if yeah, if you like hold a PED test, so we Manny Ramirez failed, I think two PED tests. That's true. Gary Sheffield didn't fail at one P. Well, there wasn't really there was testing when Gary Sheffield was around, but not until like much later in his career. Um, and Gary Sheffield didn't fail a PED test, but I think there's too much evidence for me for Sheffield to not have him in because of his connection and his um. I think he's. I think he was open about his like usage of like the cream. You know, like talking about Balco, and for that, I, I'm keeping him out. But Manny Ramirez, I mean, he had two PED tests. I'm surprised he has, you know, even 28%, to be honest, with two PED, two failed PED tests. I feel like that's, I mean, that's basically just saying like half the people probably that voted that like Clemens, like half of those people still think Ramirez. There are people yeah. that like really are okay with steroids, like to the point where it's like it's a part oh, yeah. of the- that's fair. Yeah. I think I think yeah. For if you're voting for Mayor Ramirez, you literally just you just are looking at the stats purely and not looking at any of the outside noise. Yeah, that's. So, I mean, that's a strategy. It's not my strategy, but it's a strategy. It's not. I think yeah, I agree. Look, by case and Sheffield, yeah. I think has the evidence against him, and 
Manny Ramirez, I mean, it's undisputable evidence. I, I don't know why Manny Ramirez is, is close to Gary Sheffield. I think Sheffield should be closer to the Bonds and Clemens, and Ramirez should be not even on the ballot, to be honest. I mean, two failed PED tests should not even – I can get I can get like one failed PED test and like, I don't know, you find God and like you turn it around and like – You find you, God. <laughs> like you, okay. Well, if, you have, if you have two failed PED tests, like not only should you be – like banned from baseball, but you should be, you know, obviously taken out of consideration for the Hall of Fame. So, like, I would literally, Brendan, I would literally vote you into the Hall of Fame more than I would Manny Ramirez. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm a, a Hall of Fame broadcaster and podcaster. Yeah, I agree. The stats are there: two podcasts to one. <laughs> <laughs> Back on topic, I will say so. Sheffield, I'm reading it now. He did like admit to using the testosterone, uh, like the HGH cream. Um, you know, uh, again, whether it's a cream or a shot, it's all the same. Like that, uh, that we could all agree on. I think like steroids are sure. steroids. So like he did definitely kind Space of admit space. to yeah. He uh he did admit to steroids. It is interesting. Um. I don't know. Like I personally had, I didn't have Bonds or Clemens on my ballot. And so then by that logic, I certainly wasn't going to have Sheffield or Ramirez, but like, I admit I was closer to putting Clemens. Clemens, he had like three Cy before he ever even met Jose Canseco. So like, it's, it's interesting. Like he's pretty, if you want to do the before steroid stuff, he's probably a hall of famer. If you want to do the afterwards, he's probably he's definitely a Hall of Famer. And like, you know, Bonds is uh he's pretty good at baseball. He had pretty ridiculous numbers. Like, it's tough. I don't put them on, but if they were to get in, I do agree with Brendan that you would see a shift. I don't think I don't even know that Gary Sheffield would get in. And I don't think that Ramirez would in that case. I don't know though. Like, I don't I, it, it like that's my point is like I don't know that getting Clemens and Bonds in there changes anything for those two guys maybe for A-Rod but like do we really think that Ramirez gets in if Bonds gets in it's possible it's possible I don't know that it's I a think guarantee some people do I think I do think some people hold against Ramirez for like failing a PED test after like the policy was put into place and they don't give Bonds and Clemens any like don't Take they don't hold it against Bonds and Clemens because there wasn't testing and they and they do for Ramirez, but I don't know. Also, Sammy Sosa like is still on the ballot and it's his last year, uh, second to last year, along with Bonds and Clemens. And Sosa is like really down there. He's like at fourteen percent, and I guess like he was. I think for him it's because he was like probably going to be average without the steroids, and with the steroids he was like a a very above average but again his OPS even with the steroids is like a 878 and OBP of like a 344 so like he wasn't even like you know he not even close to the stratosphere that Ramirez and Sheffield right and, you know he was a pure definitely slugger. not Clemens and Bonds yeah he's so, a pure slugger I'm surprised he, and McGuire I think he fell off the ballot like the, the year after he like came out as being a steroid user which is weird because like I was pretty obvious he was taking steroids. Like you know, the verbal confirmation took him off the ballot. But Manny Ramirez like literally failed two tests, and like people voting for him. So I think there has been a shift in like younger voters like want you know being more okay with voting for the PED guys. But there is a ceiling 
we've seen because Clemens and Bonds climbed up for a while, you know, from the 30s to the 50s, now 60s, but they've kind of been stagnant for the last few years, and I don't see them. There's still enough people like me and Matt and, and Logan too. I think there's enough, I guess, like purists or just people that are scared to go over that 75% threshold and, you know, make them Hall of Famers. The last point I think we should bring up is that, as we stated before, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, and if you want to include him too, Sammy Sosa, on, are on their second to last years of the ballot. If they don't get in next year, ironically, the guy who will probably, at least hopefully, keep them out of the Hall of Fame next year is David Ortiz. He's a first ballot guy for me, but... He has some him. very interesting issues with steroids, but I think a lot of it has been disproven. I could so, see him being like held off for a year for like a bad reason. It's a real like knockout sort of matchup. Like it's really, it's really compelling to, it's the to Nelson imagine Cruz that ballot. Like, it's the Nelson Cruz thing for me. Like even if like Cruz took steroids early in his career, same thing with Ortiz. Like Ortiz was like an MVP guy. Like his up to his last year and he was clean for like 15 years like after the whole like after the whole time he was like in the balco thing like he was amazing 2010 on you know playing clean you're not doing the what if game like he was an mvp guy no i know but if you want to base it off of my opinions on steroids it's a lot tougher to have him in there's a lot more research that has to be done about Ortiz, because again, I think a lot of the Balco stuff that he was involved in, or even I, I want to say he was also involved in biogenesis, but I think he was biogenesis. I don't even yeah. know that he was Balco. I know, I think he was definitely biogenesis. So, either way, no matter what scandal he was in, he said it himself. And I think a lot of people are kind of in agreement that the stuff that he was involved in is pretty much false and that he's not really implicated in everything. Again, it's a lot of research that has to be done, and it's going to be really interesting next year to see what happens. Um, but I have to do more research on that. I don't have an opinion right now on David Ortiz, we, but at least on paper, I think he's test, a Hall of though. Famer. Like, we all agree that he failed a test, right? Ortiz did not fail a test. I'm I don't know. He, I think he was just implicated. I don't think he, he failed was in the, anything. He, in the, Balco, he, the Balco report is not a test. It was not, it no, 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 no. I know, I know that's not a test, but... Or I the keep, Mitchell report, but yeah, opens up about. Report. Yeah, I'm sorry, that's not Baco. I I keep saying that the Mitchell report. Wait, no. Uh, okay, I keep reading that in 2003 he like was tested. Does that make sense though? No, so I think the Mitchell report was a bunch of like unreleased tests. That like oh, wait, oh so okay tested. that. No, so, I, yeah, they were tests, but they weren't like MLB like you know officially recognized tests. Well, I don't want to just say that it was like false positives. <laughs> Like, I, I think that... It I, was a test, but, like, not, like, an MLB, t- like, regulated test. Okay, I mean, that's fair. Again, no, it's just a really yeah. interesting situation for me. One more thing I want to talk about before, you know, we have a, we spent a lot of time this week talking about a lot of sticky situations. I agree. Uh, Facts. Like, I have Schilling in. I know some people, like, vote don't vote for Bonds and Clemens and steroid guys because of, like, I guess, character clause. Like, people will invoke the character clause. I do it based on like, you know, like tainting like the stats, but people don't have shilling in 
and like guys like Omar Fiskel are being taken off ballots because of like their political or like domestic abuse stuff, like invoking the character clause, like you know they're a bad person, you know steroid people are bad people, you know Schilling is a bad person, so we're not going to vote for him. Like, where do you guys like make the distinction between? There's that? a difference between being a bad person and having um, like sort of political beliefs that don't align with your own. Um, I, I think Schilling is just like loud on social media, and sometimes he could just be an idiot. But, um, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of Hall of Famers with domestic abuse charges that are in. I don't really have um, an opinion on that so much. Well, we all have shilling in, so we must be okay with shilling in. I mean, yeah, but domestic abuse is a lot different than just, like, being a Trump supporter, for example. Well, I mean, shilling did, like, kind of come out and support the KKK, so I don't, I don't know if shilling was, like, besides I mean, like... Really? I mean, I've like half of that. baseball, like half of the baseball Hall of Fame played during the this segregated era. So no, 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 I, no, no. I don't but really that's, know. Matt, that's not like a fair thing to say, because like the KKK is like very much like talked about and like frowned upon these days where it was not always. Like there was a time when the KKK was like kind of a cool thing. Now it's like really much not a cool thing. Like, yeah, but like Cap not... Anson literally said that he wouldn't play on a baseball field with a black guy. So <laughs> I don't know. Okay. For him yet. Like we could, we, I did not know because that. One racist is in, we should let all the racists in. I mean, I voted for No, Schilling, but... that's not what I mean at all. I just mean that like the Cancel consistency, like there were, I, it's not based on precedence whatsoever that I have Schilling in. I like, I, I, I feel like he's just a loudmouth that he's just an idiot. I don't know if he's like necessarily such a bad person. My take is that like politics and like domestic abuse, you know, albeit there are horrible things. Shilling supports and talks about horrible things. Viscal and like others have done horrible things, but they're not really baseball related. So I don't, I don't hold non-baseball issues against them. Steroids are baseball related and affect like stats and affect, you know, other things like that. So that's where I draw my line. Well, I'll have like Schilling. I I don't have a skill in for like you know we'll talk about the skill next episode, but I don't have a skill in. But that's because of like baseball reasons. It's not because of like he's a domestic abuser. So that's kind of like my take on the whole thing. Yeah, um, say... I I don't really have a solid opinion on it, so I'm just gonna abstain from the conversation. Well, which no, is not to say that I don't think it's a too. conversation that should be had. It's just I am not. Well, I'm just referencing the Ken Rosenthal article he wrote. For yeah, the no, Athletic that's because... that's incredibly fair. I I just I I really just don't have an opinion on it. I'm probably well, leaning more towards your opinion, Brendan. But I I just I I want to get my facts straight. You didn't vote I for Vizquel because of um. He didn't vote for Vizquel. I think mostly because of like the domestic assault charge, because like, he, he doesn't want him on the podium doing a ceremony. He doesn't want baseball celebrating a domestic abuser. Basically, that's like the argument. That's, no, honestly, yeah, that's really fair. Stay for that. I would say that for me, it's very case by case as always. What gets tricky though is that like Omar Vizquel deserves to be punished by law, like. He shouldn't be walking the earth if you beat your wife. You should be in jail. Like, it's not the MLB's job to punish him retroactively. Like, if he beat his wife, why are we judging him more than the, the system that's supposed to judge him? Like, I if he went to Very jail, like, he should be in jail, right? And if he went to jail, that might actually change people's votes. And, like, maybe that's the problem, that, like, he's not actually punished for anything. So that, like, it's, like, whatever. I, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, though, like, I 
that's an interesting thing. Like, I don't think he should be in the Hall of Fame regardless, but like, it is so easy to idolize someone regardless of their like actual out of the game things. Like, it is an odd thing to put a domestic, a known domestic abuser in a, in a media where we all know he beat his wife. Like, it is hard to like enshrine that person. So, like, I could agree that that is where the character clause would come in. And then I guess it's a, a case by case basis for each person, whether like they deserve to be in. That's interesting, though. And like, I don't disagree with him because that is bad. It's definitely bad. I think the theme is that like baseball and the Hall of Fame and like, you know, it's they're all taking a very hands off approach to these type of things. And it's like left up. It's very unfairly left up to the voters to make all these hard to ask all these hard questions. So that's why, like, for every Hall of Fame ballot, like, you know, I don't, I don't hate on anyone's ballot. I think it's a very, you know, we don't actually have Hall of Fame ballots. Like, we're just talking for like discussion. But like, for people that actually vote for the Hall of Fame, like, it's very, it's very tough to make the, these decisions, and it's kind of unfair that like a lot of the, you know, baseball and the Hall of Fame are kind of hands off with this stuff, and it's left up to the voters. But I don't know. That's my take. But. Yeah, I mean, we'll save some of the, the non-steroid guys that we have left off our ballots. So talking more guys like Bobby Abreu, Andrew Jones, like those are guys that were my first draft for my Hall of Fame ballot, but I ended up uh, kicking them off. Uh, I know Matt likes Tim Hudson, uh, Torrey Hunter can get some consideration, but he was not on any of our ballots. Uh, we can laugh about Michael Kadire. I have anyone voting for him. For sure, like why? What do you mean, why? Nick Swisher's literally the reason why the Yankees have Aaron Judge. Anyway. That's facts. Anyway. Um, thank you guys so much for listening to this very opinionated edition of Baseball for Breakfast. Uh, we want to hear your opinions on everything that we've talked about. So feel free to follow us on Instagram at Baseball for Breakfast and follow us on Twitter at Baseball for Bread One. Rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and listen to us anywhere uh that you listen to podcasts we're on pretty much everywhere uh and make sure to write a solid review for us helps us raise uh on the power rankings of sports and just in general podcasts uh bill simmons we're coming for you once again thank you guys so much for listening we've been baseball for breakfast your weekly serving of dingers and zingers have a good day everyone